Peace now. Go vegan. Peace how? Go vegan. From the Russia-phobic, new right left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Corpor Nation in the cheese-covered, post-constitutional, bankster, bankrupt, corruptocracy, mocracy, criminocracy, uh, of the, uh, whoa, criminocracy unchallenged by mediocrity, food-borne in the NSA, CIA, NRA, USA, home of Uncle Sam Manella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction, is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. More distracted than usual, if that's possible, or I should say distracted as usual. And I apologize if it sounds like I don't have it together again this week. Ugh, always deadlines, trying to get things done at the last minute. So, and if, if it feels like, uh, deja vu all over again doesn't it seem like i'm always apologizing every week for not being prepared not being ready you know i mean i'm uh, but i do come up with a good excuse every week i'm sure right so i'm trying to uh to outdo hillary in that department with excuses you know i mean in fact she can borrow some of mine in the future if, if she needs any and uh i don't know maybe maybe i'll save this week's real excuse for next week, you know, I'll just use hers this week. You know, I haven't done that yet. And I'm sure she would appreciate the repetition, right? And and finally, repetition of something other than something Russian, right? That would be appropriate here since Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden is alternative media, um, even alternative alternative media. We're, we're an alternative to, to media. And... and uh, you know, we're an alternative to alternative meaty. Uh, um, I mean, search the most progressive of progressive uh, programs, uh, meaty uh, shows on YouTube. Um, and also search the most conservative of uh, conservative meaty uh, where uh, never is heard a discouraging word about meat, dairy, fish, and egg production and consumption. Uh, although going vegan solves all of the goals of Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity and the same progressive, you know, at the same time. I mean, it's uh, family values plus make peace, not war. You know, I mean, who is the single payer today anyway? The famous elusive single payer. It seems that the single payer can't afford or find a single plan for which he or she can afford to be a payer. Um, 
in our healthcare system? You know, what is the individual? You as the single payer, you're paying, right? And, and at times, unfortunately, paying with your life. Um, so who came up with that term anyway, single payer, huh? It's not very appealing, you know? It's like, you know, healthcare for all, that sounds like a chant, right? You know, single payer, it's like, what's that, you know? How appealing, you know? It's, uh, it's like, you know, how, how it's, it's like, what do you eat? Plants, oh, oh how appealing. Um, anyway, sorry, I told you I don't have it together this week. I'm all over the place. Um, so, um, and, 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 and for this, I blame, I blame Bernie and Comey, Podesta, NAFTA, and Jill, Obama and Bosnia, Tulsi and Bill. Um, so that's my excuse uh, for this week, and I'm sticking with it, uh, including the Bosnia part. Uh, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm uh, kind of uh, disturbed, apparently, and you know, I, I apologize for the content of this program today because. Well, again, I must blame Bernie and Comey, Podesta, NAFTA, and Jill, Obama and Bosnia, Tulsi and Bill. Um, that's why we're not together today. I'm actually multitasking. I, I, you know, while while doing this show, so I think the deal is that I feel so busy, so overwhelmed by things to do uh, that I can't even focus on the one thing that needs all my focus and attention you know, this radio show what's what's going on here but excuse me i'm uh you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure when that new law that congress just passed allowing your browsing history to be bought and sold everybody's browsing history that's right your browsing history is about to go on sale and so you know to tell you the truth which is our uh, obligation as the fake news, fake news that we are. Um, I'm going through my browser right now, my browser history right now, this very moment, you know, because I don't know when that law is going to go into effect. And I don't, I don't know, did Trump uh, already sign it into law or uh, is he going to sign it into law? I mean, after all, um, this amounts to all of our communication being wiretapped all of our communication being wiretapped uh, by, uh, well, you know, it's not just Obama doing it. We're, we're being then wiretapped by everyone um, or surveilled, if you want a better word. Uh, picky, picky on the word sometimes. So uh, hold on a second here. I do see something that needs to be deleted right away. So let me, uh, you know, I... Let me just get to this. What is it? Browser history here. Norwegian cheerleaders from the planet Krypton. Okay, that's got to go. Nobody's, I can't have anybody see that. So, okay, delete. Um, control delete. Wait, control. What is it? Control shift delete. Ah, I keep forgetting which one it is. So, you know, I got this great new app. It's called Julian's Leak Proof Browser Bleacher. Um, it's just 19.95 on the internet, or uh, 6,280 rubles. 
uh, WikiLeaks accepts rubles, you know, so so tied in with Russia. So um, anyway, so it says uh, it says this. I mean, I'm you know I'm a sucker for ads on TV late at night and all of that, but it says that Julian's leak-proof browser bleacher um, it says it's Hillary Clinton tested and CIA whistleblower approved. So. I don't think you can beat that, right? And, uh, oh no, what's this? Norwegian cheerleaders from the planet Krypton, the sequel. Ah! Okay, delete, shift, delete, delete. Wait, C, C, control. Ah, Julian, Julian. Um, so Trump couldn't uh, or wouldn't sign sign that legislation, right, on, on browser history. I mean, he didn't seem to like being the target of surveillance by susan rice did he and uh oh yes by the way this is a vegan show and uh, you are right to expect that when i'm talking about rice it should be as in a recipe you know with uh rice and beans and vegetables delicious rice one of the the great staples one of the great healthy foods of the world um but uh all right well then Today's recipe on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden is uh, a recipe is for Condoleezza rice. Okay, so you uh, start with uh, rice, and and then you uh, then comes uh, you know the the mushroom uh, cloud. Okay, so, so it's uh, uh, that's a delicious recipe, the rice and mushroom cloud. Um, which uh, if you need the ingredients, at least the second ingredient, you can start a war with Russia over nothing. Huh? Okay. Um, okay, so basically there you have it. Uh, you have rice. You, 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 if you have a mushroom cloud, then pretty much, you know, you can do anything you want if, uh, you know, you're, you're in control of that mushroom cloud. Um, so, you know, do anything you want, like the people who buy your browser history can do. Well, isn't that amazing? I mean, uh, they really can't do it constitutionally. But when do, when does that stop anyone here? Let me let me just look. Oh, I'm trying. This is um, this is the least ergonomically. I'm going to have to feng shui the studio situation here, but. Uh, we go. I have to grab something on my computer here. Have you heard of the Constitution of the United States of America? Um, so there, there are these amendments. There's Amendment Four. Amendment Four says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. I assume. Uh, a smartphone is considered an effect uh, that back in what 1789 they figure ah, in the future there'll be effects we can't even imagine what they are but you know like smartphones um okay oh i interrupted okay so amendment for u.s constitution the right of the people to be secure in their persons houses papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, uh, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So that is the U.S. Constitution. 
and uh, therefore, hey, believe it or not, uh, everything about domestic spying, every phone call, every you know, everything about you being captured, it's unconstitutional. Really, I mean, if uh, if, if if this were America, um, everybody who put into effect uh, the Patriot Act. Um, you know, this uh, domestic spying program that spies on, you know, every thought you have, every every word you type, every place you go, uh, all of that is unconstitutional. Fourth Amendment. All of these people who, who are participating in it are treasonous and should be in jail. <laughs> um, okay, so, like, yeah, right, like that's ever going to happen, that we're ever going to have you know, the Constitution again. Oh, well. So, uh, okay, all, all of this behavior is unconstitutional. Unconstitutional. And now, um, even as equally unconstitutional as everything else, the Congress uh, says, uh, okay, let's uh, sell your uh, browser history to, to, to anyone who wants it, you know, anytime. Uh, pay the price, and uh, it's for sale. Your browser history. Your ex-girlfriend can buy your browser history. Your ex-boyfriend. Uh, your ex-spouse. Huh? Your ex-spouse gets your browser history and goes, "Hey, you told me you were going to stop listening to that vegan show, and now you, now all of a sudden you went vegan. You lied to me. I want a divorce. I want to." Okay. Uh, so yeah, your ex-spouse can uh, buy your browser history. Your future employer can uh, buy your browser history. The CIA and the FBI and the NSA. So uh, anyway, I better stop talking like that about those uh, wonderful organizations. Although I, I am confident that uh, this is the only place th th those agencies, you know, CIA, FBI, NSA. Uh, this is the only place their agents uh, would not be listening. They, would, they, they wouldn't be listening to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linder. You know, they have too much intelligence to subject themselves to the, uh, well, it's, it's not propaganda here. It's the propaganda of this program. So they wouldn't want to subject themselves to that and, uh, you know, which then would convince them to go vegan and then they'd lose their urge, their drive to engage in extraordinary rendition and enhanced interrogation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so it's fine to talk about those agencies here, but you know something? I wouldn't leave such fingerprints, such negative fingerprints in the browser history. In fact, uh, as I delete unwanted browser listings with my, uh, you know, Julian's leak-proof browser bleacher, Hillary tested. Whoops, wait, excuse me, one more. <sighs> Let me get this. Norwegian cheerleaders from Planet Krypton. The workout video. Okay, delete. Wait, wait. Alternate shift delete. <sighs> delete. Ah. All right. Well, anyway, as, as I've been deleting, and I'm certain I've been successfully deleting here, you know, I'm feeling the need to, to add some, you know, some searches that reflect a little better, you know, a little, you know, 
that you know perhaps if somebody reads them they they'll think a little more kindly of me and okay google um creating paper mache flowers for elderly homeless grandmothers uh you search for that please for me yes um okay google yeah making chocolate chip cookies for grandmothers elderly homeless grandmothers um hmm. i think it's really hard to <laughs> Uh, here, I have to do this because of the arrogance of Congress, huh? Um, we, the, we the people elect you to spy on every aspect of our life. W was that in your campaign promise to us, uh, Congress member, Senator? Um, and uh, so when that's not enough that you don't spy on every aspect of your life, you know, then what happens? You know, you, you let everyone spy on every aspect of our lives by allowing our browser histories to be sold uh, there is no privacy huh so uh i mean even the most innocuous sometimes can be turned into something that seems so you know clandestine you know? so um for example i'm thinking here uh yeah i i, I could i could see it in the future uh, I'm being interrogated, not enhanced, just pleasantly questioned, questioned by the CIA, and it's, Mr. Linden, we see by your browser history here that within the course of a couple of days, you were browsing, you, you were, you were searching for both cucumber and watercress. Mr. Linden, you, you were searching for, for cucumber? Welcome to Maccabee's Medical Mondays. Well, 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 welcome to Maccabee's Medical Mondays. Welcome to Maccabee's Medical Mondays. Today it's all about this, the cucumber, or as they call it in Jamaica, cucumba. 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 Vitamins, minerals, very high numbers. Silica, hair and nails get longer. Other vitamins make your bones them stronger. Anti-wrinkle make you look younger. 95% mm. water, kidney cleanser, great hydrator, detox, fiber, good regulator. Give your body good things, don't be a traitor. Get the cucumber, cut it in a slice. Put it in a jug of water overnight. You know what you get for a fraction of the price? Energy drink full of electrolytes. Roaring salad is a one of the user. As a base for your vegetable juice another surprise put a slice on your eyes take away the dryness revitalize oh yes one thing i have left cucumber can answer help with bad breath wash where the bacteria that cause the odor cucumber water instead of soda cucumber 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 get the cucumber get the cucumber Get the cucumber, get, 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 get the cucumber. Mm. 95% water, 95% mm. water, 95% mm. water, kidney cleanser, great hydrator, 95% mm. water, 95% mm. water, 95% mm. water, be about the good things, don't be a traitor, cucumber, 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 cucumber. Cucumba, cucu, cucu, cucumba, cucu, cucu, 
one thing I have left. Kukumba can answer help with bad breath. Oh yes, oh yes. Kukumba can answer help with bad breath. Kukumba. Mr. Linden, you don't deny that you browsed for cucumber, and then shortly after that, you browsed for watercress? Greetings. Welcome to Maccabees Wami Eat Wednesday. Today it's all about this. This little leaves beyond belief in the vegetable kingdom is one of the chief. This little leaf beyond belief gives your body good things. It's not a thief. Some say watercress. No big deal. Just put it on the plate to garnish the meal. Take it or leave it. That's how they feel. But a superfood that heal. Watercress. Vitamin C. Oranges have less. More calcium than milk. Oh yes. More iron and spinach. You would have never guessed. I am impressed with watercress. Antioxidant. Antibacterial effects. Anticancerous. Shown success in a test between k between a the list is endless i am impressed with watercress watercress is best when raw and fresh stimulating gastric helps it digest all the phytonutrients and all of the rest I am impressed with watercress. It's got many uses. There's no excuses. You don't like the taste, just add it to your juices. Help and decreases the risk of diseases. Give it to your body and see how it pleases. How am I eat Wednesday? Yes, I am. Mr. Linden, you, your browser history shows that you Googled cucumber and you Googled watercress. That fits the profile of a Russian agent. Come on, Mr. Linden, you know. The whole vegan thing is a plot by Putin. Admit it, you borscht-drinking, protein-deficient, you know, left of Bernie, commie pinko. Admit it, you and, and that reggae singer, Maccabee, too. You know? <laughs> All right, I'm incriminating. So you can incriminate yourself with anything. Your browsing history can incriminate you. So uh, again, maybe, maybe I better turn up the sprucing up of my browsing history. Um, just, you know, just, the, you know, for, for my security in the future. So, uh, okay, Google. Okay, Google. Um, what's the best way I can show my uh, respect and appreciation for the great and noble work of the CIA, NSA, FBI? Okay, Google. Um, how do I start a petition to get pay raises for all employees of the... Uh, CIA, NSA, FBI, and uh, extra big special raises for uh, for their directors and the people in charge. So um, some people are taking this seriously, the browser history thing. Um, and uh, so there is a website, actually. It's searchinternethistory.com searchinternethistory.com it's fundraising and uh, the people behind this website um, are raising money um, to buy the browser histories of certain people uh, for example right now um, there there are votes on the website so right now paul ryan is number one uh, for uh, buying his browser history he has 23,000 votes, 23,700. He has 35% of the vote right now. Uh, Marsha Blackburn uh, is a House member. Uh, she's uh, in second place with 17,582 votes. 
26% of the vote. And Mitch McConnell uh, has, uh, you know, he's the House Majority Leader. Uh, he's in third place um, with 15,545 uh, votes, 23%. So right now, people voting on this website, this crowdfunding website, and then they want to buy the browsing history of these people. I say that it should be mandatory that uh, the browsing history be released of, uh, you know, anybody running for Congress, running, you know, running for the House of Representatives, the Senate, President, you know, Supreme Court. We should see uh, their last three years uh, browsing history um, before they hear this show and they find out about, you know, Julian's, uh, you know. Uh, so anyway, um, search internethistory.com. And it, it says there at this website, um, it says, all your private internet history now easily searchable. Um, all of your private internet history is now easily searchable thanks to the Senate's uh, passage of SJ Resolution 34, the House of Representatives also voting to repeal protections. And now the president, uh, President Trump, uh, has given his stamp of approval. Uh, did he sign it really? It says he's stamp. Does a stamp of approval mean that he signed it? That would be very strange. Um, so, you know, now your internet history can be bought and sold here. It says uh, the organizer of this uh, website, Adam. Yesterday when I said that. Anyway, it says, I plan on purchasing the internet histories of all legislators, congressmen, executives, and their families, and make them easily searchable um, at, uh, uh, what is it, at, at search, oh, at searchinternethistory.com, uh, okay. Um, anything they have uh, looked at, searched for, or visited on the internet will now be available for everyone to comb through their medical concerns and questions, taste in pornography, financial interests. Um, since our elected uh, representatives failed to let us decide whether our personal browsing history should be a commodity, I want to give them a lesson on how a democracy actually um, is supposed to function. I'm giving you the opportunity to vote on whose history gets bought first. But good, I'm glad to see that he has the goal of uh, all uh, all congressional members. That would be uh, f fine with me, right? I mean, it's, you know, like, be an American. Be, be, be good Americans, representatives and senators, huh? So Mitch McConnell, so, so far it's uh, Paul Ryan first, Marsha Blackburn, um, and then uh, Mitch McConnell, and then Ajit Pai, is that, is that his name? Uh, chairman of the FCC. Chairman of the FCC, thanks for uh, uh, you know being so uh, constitutionally protective. And Brian Roberts uh, is chairman and CEO of Comcast. So he's on this list also. Um, and then Randall Stevenson, CEO of AT&T. Great ideas here, right? So we'll uh, we'll keep our eye on this. So there you have it. Uh, people targeted so that we can read their their browsing history too. Uh, 
<laughs> the CEO of AT&T, the CEO of Comcast, the chairperson of the SEC, and three members of Congress, all of whom have polluted in anti-constitutional activity. But, you know, look at the wonderful history of AT&T. Ach, dung, dung, dung. Um, going back to collaborating with the Nazis and, uh, you know, isn't, uh, is, is, isn't all of this just, I mean, like, uh, well, let's not use the Nazi word. All right. So this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. Um, we are also experimenting today with, uh, uh, YouTube and doing the show, uh, on, uh, YouTube live events. Uh, we're always willing to experiment with what's you know new and modern, and uh, uh, we, we actually started off with something called radio 16 years ago, uh, which is now so outdated, we have to call it terrestrial radio. Uh, we thought we were hip and cool at that time. Um, and then, you know, go through all of these different uh, motions. We've been with the Air America Radio Network. Uh, Terrestrial Radio Network, yeah, I know, thing of the past. Um, CBS and Clear Channel radio stations around the country, those dinosaur, um, yeah. Um, and now we are, we're podcasting, we're, we're still on on a weekly basis, and uh, we are supported by our listeners. We did set up a Patreon, but do we have it together yet to even show the Patreon on, on the Go Vegan Radio website? No, we... We, you know, want to make sure that you'll go the extra step, the extra mile. We don't want to make anything too convenient and easy, right? So, so I think at Patreon, it's like slash Bob Linden. Um, you can also donate. Uh, there's a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. We are just, you know, I mean, we are grassroots, low budget, 501c3 nonprofit. We're looking to get the money together to launch our music radio station radio bobby um you know what a uh, a music radio station for the vegan cause how would that work well you'll have to listen um so anyway we would appreciate it if you would support this radio program with a tax deductible donation and you can do so at goveganradio.com remember we are on twitter at goveganradio and facebook goveganradio with bob linden and we're starting a new group page and there are the two other Bob Linden pages and the Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden fan page just to we can keep you busy all day okay so uh, we'll continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden Thank you. 
Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And there are those two Bob Linden pages there that uh, keep me busy doing everything in duplicate, triplicate, quadruplicate. Um, and today we are experimenting with that uh, that new YouTube technology, doing a, using the uh, live events on YouTube. Maybe that's what we're going to use for our talk show broadcast every week. So. Uh, you know, keeping it modern, making sure that we we get on YouTube just after everything gets, you know, all, all everything that's monetized has the money taken away. It's time for us to join YouTube, right? 
so but anyway so uh it's another controversy out there so well it is april april is go vegan to stop climate change month but i don't see that anywhere except uh well except posted on my facebook page on twitter on my twitter at go vegan radio facebook bob linden and go vegan radio with bob linden and we also posted the flyer there that you can download and take to any event any event happening in april that you uh, are attending whether it's uh, you know there are all of these uh, marches happening on the 29th big march in washington dc on the 29th the marches to nowhere um and uh i guess the earth day is actually the 22nd and uh there's a march for science on the 22nd i'll talk about that in a second but uh, let's talk about what's really important here uh which is that april is go vegan to stop climate change month what's really important is actually um, embracing a solution to the problem that we perceive to have most americans believe in climate change well they don't believe in it like you know like they're worshiping a false idol but uh they believe that it's happening um yet hidden in all of this hidden in all the climate marches bill mckibben 350.org in the sierra club and uh you know earth day um where do you see that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change that you the person marching <laughs> uh if you're eating meat dairy fish and eggs you're the main cause of it sorry i'm not blaming you but probably want to would want to know that since you're concerned about the environment and you want to do something about it and there is only one thing to do and that's go vegan and i'm not telling you that just because i love animals and telling you that because the top climate specialists tell us that and yet there's a march for science on april 22nd and i don't really see anything in that about this anyway so the text of the flyer that you can download to educate people on earth day and at climate marches um and uh, of course uh, this year uh, it's very fashionable to blame trump uh, although how have we come to the tipping points how are we on the the brink of disaster um just from what's happened in what the last couple of months i mean how long has he been uh, president so um this has been a long time coming where you know we it's we have to do something before it's too late and uh bush didn't do it obama didn't do it um trump won't do it and there's nothing they can do there's nothing that politicians can do there's nothing that politicians want to do and there's nothing that corporations want to do so you know if you really want to do something you have to go vegan and you have to help everybody else go vegan too it's the only solution before it's too late um you you can blame trump as much as you want you have to go vegan while blaming trump you know you you can you can complain about everybody not recognizing and believing that climate change is happening but if you don't embrace the solution 
Well, then you're a climate denier just as much as they are. And of course, there cannot be a meat, dairy, fish, and egg eating environmentalist. Um, it goes against the definition. Um, so anyway, the text of this flyer that you can download, there's a PDF. You can go to any of my Facebook sites. I think I, I, think I put the link on Twitter also. Um, so the headline is, April is Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. And it says, wake up, see reality. Your appetite for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs is the number one cause of climate change and other environmental disaster. The world's leading climate scientists at the World Bank blame animal agriculture for at least 51% of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. They also tell us that a massive global population shift to vegan living is the only solution before it's too late. And uh, it says here, see Goodland and Anhang, Livestock and Climate Change, who are telling us that going vegan is the only solution before it's too late. They're not telling us to blame Donald Trump as the only solution, although you would think you would think that it is. Even, you know, look at the website. Look at the website for the Climate March and Sierra Club. And Trump is is great for raising funds or for fundraising for environmental groups, for the Democrats. You know, all they have to say is Donald Trump and the money comes flowing in, you know. Uh, say the word vegan and it's like, hey, leave us alone. What do you mean? Give us our, give up our meat? What do you mean? Huh? I mean, we want to stop climate change, but, you know, give up our meat. What? Um, but I uh, digress because I continue now with the text from the flyer that you can download to give to all of these meat, dairy, fish, and egg-eating environmentalists. It says, it's time for the meaningful action that everyone can take. Going vegan. You know, not burning jet fuel to go to D.C. for a feel-good march to nowhere. And uh, isn't that really what it is? I mean, we'll hold hands, we'll we'll sing songs, we'll hug Bill McKibben, and they'll and then go eat a hamburger. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, the flyer continues: a carbon tax is a joke, not an answer. An alternative energy infrastructure will cost thirty-five trillion dollars and take twenty years, neither of which we can afford. Shall we ask the environmentalists on April 22nd, on Earth Day, on April 29th, at all the climate marches? Let's, let's ask them, do you know, what is the number one cause of, of climate change? And, and let's ask them, what would an alternative energy infrastructure cost? How much money? How long would it take? Do we have that time? Huh? So the flyer continues, the past U.S. administration has committed us to fracking for at least the next 40 years, and there will be no change from the current administration. The change must be you. Yes, and by the way, that is the truth. Obama and Hillary um, have uh, set up fracking around the world, uh, even here in California, a state that's all fracked up. The Central Valley is collapsing on itself because of fracking. We are all fracked up. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're yelling and crying and screaming that uh, some, uh, some, some executive from Exxon is Secretary of State. And uh, look here in California at oil man Jerry Brown, who has 
completely, completely fracked up California. So, so, and, and that's the commitment. I mean, you know, all of these pipelines, Obama allowed uh, the equivalent of 10 Keystone XL pipelines to be built in just the last few years. So uh, that's, uh, that's the future of energy right now. Uh, thanks to uh, Obama, Hillary, uh, and complicit, Republic, complicit Republicans, and you know, our, our wonderful government that serves the people so well. The next 40 years, fracking for the next 40 years. Congratulations. Um, I continue with the flyer here. It says, don't be a climate denier. Don't be the problem. Be vegan. You will also be the solution for deforestation resource depletion, water shortage, pollution, soil erosion, habitat destruction, and widespread use of GMOs. Yeah, so um, how is it that, that, that people who, who say they are environmentalists continue to eat, uh, eat, eat the meat, eat the cheese, eat, you know, from, from animals who are fed GMOs? I mean, uh, you are what you eat. You are... Uh, what the animal whom you eat eats, aren't you? All those GMOs and anyway, um, the text of the flyer continues. You simply cannot be a, a meat, dairy, fish, and egg eating environmentalist when you are vegan. Every day is Earth Day, so you know there's that. And uh, let me talk about uh, let's see here. By the way, Victoria Hart did a very nice job on this flyer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, please uh, check out the Facebook page, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, or the Bob Linden Facebook pages, or Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. And you'll find the link for the PDF. And uh, you can hand this out and educate the environmentalists. So, you know the uh, so-called environmentalists so they can actually do something for the environment, like go vegan, which is the only solution. 50 to 85% of us, 50 to 85% of the people currently consuming so-called livestock products have to go vegan by 2020 or it's too late. I don't really see that anywhere else. Why don't I see that in progressive media? You know,
Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. We have the fan page. We're starting a group page. There are two Bob Linden pages. Maybe at some point we'll consolidate everything and uh, I'll uh, live in, in one happy place. Um, one happy place, <coughs> excuse me, that's coming soon from Go Vegan Radio is Radio Bobby. Um, 
again, I hope it's just days away. We've gone through so much music and put the we put the song title on and the uh, CD and the, the artist. So we're getting close. We're getting close. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just, uh, well, you know, normally uh, during breaks, I don't run off and eat anything. But I just made this delicious soup that is just so tempting that, yeah, I, I should be preparing what's coming next on the program, but it's just so good. Um, I've done so much one-pot cooking in my life, you know, so basically I put uh, probably seven or eight yams into this big pot, um, seven or eight carrots, and uh, broke up a bunch of celery stalks and put water over it and brought it to a boil, let that boil for about, what was it, maybe a half hour. Um, and then at that point, I put in the uh, organic Brussels sprouts, all of this organic. So it was organic yams, organic carrots, organic celery. And, um, and then Brussels sprouts went in about halfway through. Uh, and then uh, extra firm uh, tofu. And just basically some sea salt and cayenne pepper. And I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven, so I'm distracted. <laughs> I'm distracted enough, right? And here it is. There's this big pot of soup. Daisy loves it. Daisy loves concoctions like this. She she loves our hippie food, and um, so she'll she does like the yams and tofu and all of this stuff. So um, she also loves evolution dog food, dog and cat food, um, which is vegan also. Um, of course, you would like all of the members of your family to be to be vegan, and uh, I'm pretty sure the show was archived uh, recently, where we interviewed Eric Weissman, the founder, the creator of Evolution Dog and Cat Food, and he was telling us what goes into typical commercial so-called pet food, what or or actually uh, who goes into it. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's not a pretty thought. And so it would be, uh, once, once you do think about it, you, uh, you obviously, obviously want to kick things up a notch, take them to ve take them to vegan. Uh, there are, uh, a number of vegan dog food companies out there. A lot of them really good, you know, so check them out. Daisy happens to really like evolution. So that's what she gets. She gets the uh, fortified evolution canned dog food. Um, she has now taken a liking to the dry evolution. I put, you know, soak it in water and she's liking that too. So that's Daisy, the love of my life, loving evolution. You can go to petfoodshop.com um, to uh, purchase. Also, uh, Eric Weissman has a number of uh, formulations, health formulations for dogs and cats that have been uh, very helpful for animals who have uh, had uh, health challenges. And so he's been getting some uh, excellent results. So again, that's uh, evolution, evolution. And uh, my appreciation also to Vegetarian House. Uh, which is a 100% uh, 
vegan restaurant in San Jose. I think one of the best vegan restaurants in the world. So if you're in the uh, Bay Area, you, you have to visit 520 East Santa Clara Street. It's been there, you know, it's, a, it's an icon, basically. And check out the menu at vegetarianhouse.us. You'll see it's just this uh, just international cuisine that's just, you know, it's almost hard to make up your mind when you go there, you know? I mean, the, the, the Jolly Burger, one of the best vegan burgers I've ever had. But then I want, the, then again, I want the chow mein. Then again, I want, you know, the soup. Then I, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a great restaurant. So uh, Vegetarian House has been very supportive of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden and uh, is uh, liking the idea of Radio Bobby. So uh, Vegetarian House gave us a, a little donation toward that. We're going to have to pay music royalty fees. So to uh, play music on the internet, uh, you know, one has to address uh, the expense of ASCAP, BMI, sound exchange. So that will be uh, a regular expense that we have. And uh, we think that uh, we think and we hope and we expect that music lovers will support Radio Bobby by donating to Go Vegan Radio. And that vegans will support Radio Bobby because well, they'll also love the music and they'll love that there are no commercials on there for uh, any, uh, any, any products derived from animals, no commercials for anything uh, associated with meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, leather, feathers, wool, silk, fur. Circuses, rodeos—you know nothing. Uh, there, there will be no commercials for anything that uses animals. So, I mean, even uh, even today, in, in in today's commercial uh, media, uh, if a radio station were to play, you know, some good music like you know, two good songs in a row, which would be shocking to me. Three good songs, you know, um, they still. Those stations usually still ruin it with the commercials that come on for chicken wings or burgers, you know, McDevils and Burger King, When Dies and Kills Jr., Jack the Ripper in a Box, Skin and Snout, Skin and Snout. That's what a hamburger is all about. Um, Outbreak Steakhouse, Up Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, none of that stuff. We'll have none of that on Radio Bobby. And uh, you're going to, I think, have uh, the music experience of a lifetime so that's coming very very soon very 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 soon i hope very 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 um and again we we have uh we have the expenses of ascap and bmi music publishing fees so if you can help out with that plus on radio bobby you know we'll have news and, and features related to animals and vegan food and uh, health and the environment. And uh, again, it will be one of the only places where you get the real lowdown on the environment that production, production and consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs are the most destructive environmental behaviors known to humankind, uh, the most destructive, the number one cause of climate change, all the other problems. And yet, if I look at environmental news, I do like to go to Live Science, that website, um, 
interesting articles here. It says most Americans believe in climate change, lawmaker tells Senate. Uh, this written by uh, Laura uh, Gagel. And uh, she writes, most Americans believe that climate change is real. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse told uh, his colleagues in Congress on Wednesday, April 5th, 70% uh, of people in the United States say they believe global warming is happening, said Whitehouse, Democrat from Rhode Island, or uh, Demonocrat, uh, as I now view that party. Um, but yeah, apparently I, 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 I always have to throw in, <laughs> I always have to say something, don't I? Um, 70% of the people in the United States say they believe global warming is happening, said White House Democrat of Rhode Island, as he reviewed data from interactive charts recently released by Yale University scientists. However, a smaller percentage, 53%, think that global warming is caused mostly by humans, White House said. Uh, the speech was the uh, Democratic or Democratic senator's 163rd time to wake up address. 163rd. So it was the senator's 163rd, in quotations here, time to wake up address on climate change that he has delivered to the Senate over the years. I, I guess we should get in touch with him and see how many times he mentioned animal agriculture in his uh, wake-up call, huh? It says, most of the data White House pulled came from Yale's 2016 climate opinion maps, a series of interactive uh, infographics. The graphics are based on data produced from a statistical model, which is based on the national survey responses of more than 18,000 people from uh, 2008 to 2016. Uh, some opinions don't quite mesh with scientific reality. Uh, it says here just 49% of people thought that most uh, scientists think global warming is happening. So just 49% uh, think that scientists think that global warming is happening, the survey found. In reality, 97% of all climate scientists agree that climate change is happening and that humans are very likely the cause of it, according to a 2016 study in the journal Environmental Research Letters. However, the majority of respondents, some 71%, trusted climate scientists about global warming, the survey said. Um, a whopping 82% of respondents said the country should fund research into renewable energy sources, and 75% said the United States should regulate carbon dioxide as a pollutant, the survey found. Um, oddly enough, I'm still, I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm reading this, I'm not seeing anything about the number one cause. Uh, let's see. Uh, so what did we say? So, okay, so, so they want to fund renewable energy, the research on renewable energy. So we, so we know that a renewable energy infrastructure, here's, here's the research, okay? Thank you, you've come to the right place. 
a renewable energy infrastructure will cost $35 trillion and take um, 20 years to, you know, to implement. What more research do you need? So that doesn't work. What's plan B? Plan B should be plan A, go vegan, but I don't see that here. Uh, okay, so large percentage want uh, research. Of course, it's always research. Hey, research yourself in the mirror. Do you eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs? Um, okay, so this held true even in states that produce coal and oil. In West Virginia, 84% of respondents wanted to fund research into renewable energy. Well, why don't they just give that money to me and I'll, I'll make more flyers, you know? Um, so 84% of respondents wanted to fund research into renewable energy, which is 1% higher than the national average. In Wyoming, uh, in Wyoming, Texas, and Kentucky, support for funding research into renewable energy was 82%, 79%, and 79% respectively. Okay, well, there you go. That's, that's, my, new, uh, that's my new fundraising campaign for all these people who want to fund research into renewable energy, donate to Go Vegan Radio, okay? You can find the donate button at goveganradio.com. What more do you need to know? Uh, you know, first, first save the planet so you have the time for renewable energy. And then where are you getting that money? Huh? So it says, uh, quote, despite this support, President Donald Trump recently proposed massive cuts, showing once again that the Trump show um, where'd it go? Oh, the computer's jumping around. Uh, let me see if I can get back down to it here. Um, uh, let's see. Despite the support, President Donald Trump recently proposed massive cuts, showing once again that the Trump show is not the America's show, America show, even in fossil fuel states, White House said. So that's a quote from the Democrat from Rhode Island, who says nothing about animal agriculture. Um, he must know it, right? I mean, he's a guy in Congress. He made 163 speeches on waking up about climate change. Uh, but he's blaming Trump. Good idea. That'll bring in more money, more money to his campaign for, you know, to run for Senate again. Um, if he blames meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, who's going to donate, huh? The people down at McDonald's. Uh, also in live science, we see the article, parts of the Arctic Ocean are turning into the Atlantic. Huh. Okay, the Arctic is undergoing an astonishing, oh, and this was written by whom? By Brian Kahn from Climate Central. Climate central. What's what's central about the climate? Going vegan would, would be central. That should be the central theme related to, am I the only one? You know, I went to the climate march in New York a few years ago, and it was, I'm the only one. It's, it's so horrible, like, you know, when, when you're the only one who knows something and everybody's looking at you like, Ugh. the Well, you know it too, right? So, and, and you can print out the PDFs to help them know it also. So anyway, in this article, it says, the Arctic is undergoing an astonishingly rapid transition as climate change overwhelms the uh, region. 
New research sheds light on the latest example of the changes afoot, showing that parts of the Arctic Ocean are becoming more like the Atlantic. Uh, warm, warm waters are streaming into the ocean north of Scandinavia and Russia. Russia! They have something to do with this. Yeah, it's the warm waters that are streaming, you know, north of Russia, causing every problem on Earth. Um, so anyway, that's uh, alerting ocean. What does it say? Oh, altering. Okay, so start the sentence again, Bobby. Okay, reading, reading out loud. Uh, warm waters are streaming into the ocean north of Scandinavia and Russia, um, altering ocean produ productivity and chemistry. That's making sea ice recede and kickstarting a feedback loop that could make summer ice a thing of the past. So how do you like that? Think about going to the beach. Summer ice, a thing of the past. Says 2015 was a really anomalous year uh, when we had problems finding suitable ice flow to launch our drifting boys. Igor Polyakov said, and that sounds like a Russian name to me. So uh, he's an ocean, uh, ocean, oceanographer, ocean, oh. He's an oceanographer at the University of Alaska who led the new study. Of course, we can't believe a word of this study. He sounds Russian. So there you have it. Um, apparently, since he said it, I mean, yeah. Now we're sure the ice isn't mel melting, even though it said parts of the Arctic Ocean are turning into the Atlantic. Okay, we, that was told to us by a Russian. So, look, ignore everything I just said. Can't be true, right? Okay. Um, Unless uh, he said it to, uh, you know, to, to to support Donald Trump in some way, and uh, well, of course Putin supported Trump. Putin Putin invested a lot of money in TV syndication, you know. So uh, if, if he's president, there'll be uh, much higher re much higher revenues, you know, for uh, the Apprentice in, in, in syndication. Putin's smart. That's that's why he wanted Trump to be president. Put a few rubles into, you know, TV syndication. You know, if Seinfeld were president, well, imagine the revenues. Maybe he'll run next time. Um, should I get into this 2017 March for Science thing? So amazing. I cover so much of this uh, climate change stuff, and I don't believe anything they say because they don't embrace... You know, they don't discuss the number one cause and the only cure. Hmm. Anyway, it says, uh, also in Live Science, an article by Mandy Weisberger, 2017, March for Science, what you need to know. Uh, we're marching for science here. Uh, we're not marching for the solution to climate change, you know, which is, of course, going vegan. But, okay, it says, are you ready to march for science? On April 22nd, scientists and science advocates will gather in Washington, D.C. and hundreds of other cities around the world to take part in the March for Science, a historic event that may well be the biggest march in history in support of science. Uh, first proposed on January 22nd uh, in a conversation on Reddit, 
the March for Science quickly gathered more than a million followers on social media. Momentum was spurred by recent federal policy proposals to cut funding for scientific research and restrict the availability of data to the public. The march will also protest against the eradication of environmental protections and the uh, elimination of initiatives to mitigate climate change. So, all right, so uh, it says, though the march takes place on Earth Day, environmental science won't be the only science getting its due. Anyone who practices or cares about any aspect of science is encouraged to mark to march uh, in its defense and support the cause the organizers wrote in a statement. Well, I hope somebody marches for the science behind uh, the only uh, assessment of the impact of animal agriculture on climate, <laughs> the work of Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. Will anybody be marching for that science? You know, the environmental science, the climate change science? Uh, what, what other science they can, what other science can they uh, be marching to support? I should know that, shouldn't I? I went to Stuyvesant High School. I went to a math and science high school in New York City. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be marching for uh, F equals MA. Yeah, okay, march for that. Don't, don't march for, you know, the, the solution to climate change after you uh, assess the impact of animal agriculture and what you're eating. <laughs> no, nope, we'll have none of that. But let's march for, uh, is that all I remember from, from my math and science high school? F equals MA. I think that's an important one, though. If you're going to remember one, that, that might be the one. Well, of course, E equals MC squared, but then uh, what people do with that one. F equals MA. Force equals mass times acceleration. Has that helped me at all in my adult life? Um, other than to fill the last 15 seconds on this radio show? I don't know. But uh, Stuyvesant High School, all right, you know. Um, I didn't know it was one of the best math and science high schools in the country until Wikipedia, but it's not even in the same place where it was. Yeah, when I went there, what was it? It was on 14th Street, um, but it's moved now. So, can it really still be Stuyvesant High School if if it's moved its location? I mean, is is Yankee Stadium really Yankee Stadium now? Uh, I don't know. So, anyway, where was I? I am here on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and I am inviting you uh, to stay with us in just a few minutes. We will be hearing a weekly commentary from Professor Gary Francione, uh, the uh, first academic to teach animal rights theory in an American law school at Rutgers University. And uh, he, uh, he's with us every week. And so we will continue. And again, I invite you to support our program with a tax deductible donation. Um, support uh, the solution for climate change with a tax-deductible donation to Go Vegan Radio, because apparently you are not going to hear about it anywhere else, even in a march for science, a march for science associated with climate change, uh, in climate marches uh, 
during Earth Day, uh, everybody seems to be ignoring the number one cause of climate change. Except, go vegan radio with Bob Linden. We'll tell you, animal agriculture, the only solution is going vegan. April is go vegan to stop climate change. Okay, we continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio. Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, a couple of Bob Linden pages. Hopefully we'll consolidate everyone. Oops, 
let's not knock over the microphone. Or let's, shall we? Okay, yeah, in protest. Um, and uh, so, yeah, hopefully at some point we'll consol consolidate everyone at the new uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Or is it just Go Vegan Radio group page? I can't keep track of me anymore. I, I, I just can't, I can't keep up with me anymore. And why should I even try at this point, okay? So, let me see here. I think I would like to see how, how well we're scrolling here. For some reason, my Facebook page was messed up this week and frozen and I don't know. You never know if it's something you say or just, you know, some some new virus the CIA has just sent over. I don't know. Oh, I guess I should ask for donations, right? All, all 501c3s are supposed to do that. So let me do that. I, I see, yes, everybody, you know, all the environmental groups are saying, you know, Donald Trump, so send us money. I see the uh, Democrats, the uh, uh, Democrat uh, Democratic National Party um, is reminding us Donald Trump, send send the DNC money. So uh, this is Go Vegan Radio, and I ask that you send us money because Donald Trump is president. Um, there's no uh, better time than now um, and the next four years, actually, for you to be sending your money to Go Vegan Radio uh, because Donald Trump is president. Um, there's no better reason to send your money to Go Vegan Radio than uh, the fact that Donald Trump is president. Um, if I need to explain anything more about that, you know, then you you just don't get it, right? Right. So, um, so you need to donate right now. Donald Trump is president. So go to goveganradio.com, find the donate button, um, and in fact, donate donate more than you can afford, please. Okay. Um, if you know, if you're donating something that you can afford, um, that's not enough. It's not enough. You know why? Donald Trump is president, and you need to donate to Go Vegan Radio right now because Donald Trump is president. Um, so there was something I, I posted on Facebook this week. Um, I'm going to have to start making that appeal on social media also that... Uh, Everybody really needs to donate to Go Vegan Radio now because Donald Trump is president and, and, and really get on a payment plan for the next four years. So um, I posted in Facebook something. Uh, I, I don't just want to offend the, uh, you know, the scientists this week. <laughs> Although a while back we did talk about the Union of Concerned Scientists and what a bogus organization that is when it comes to climate change. You know, the, the person in, in charge, you know, of its, you know, science related to climate change is, you know, recommending eating turkey. I, I think maybe that's it. Like, you know, just all of these leftists, or I don't know what they are now, the new right left, progressives, environmentalists, they just like ice cream too much. You know, it's just too, it's just too inconvenient. They're just so addicted, you know, to chicken wings or ice cream that... <laughs> You know, like the client, the, the climate is important, but you know, to give up ice cream, that's asking a lot. 
Um, so I I do want to say something. Uh, you know, I do want to say something negative about non-vegan vegetarianism. In fact, I posted it on the internet, and I don't know. Don't get to see my posts on Facebook, so perhaps I'll tell you how it went, exactly how it went. Uh, it started the meaninglessness of non-vegan vegetarianism. Can a dozen eggs in the supermarket be labeled 100% vegetarian? How about a gallon jug of cow's milk? Can a restaurant offer a 100% vegetarian meal consisting of chicken egg cheese omelet with a bowl of cow's milk yogurt, cow butter on toast, and your choice of cow's milk chocolate cow milk, or coffee with cow creamer, or half cow cream and half cow milk, half and half. Uh, and for dessert, cow whipped cream on cow cheesecake. Uh, does that sound 100% vegetarian to you? Can we add fish and chicken to the menu? Because they too seem to be eat eaten by people who call themselves vegetarian. Of course, with the air quotation marks. Um, wouldn't it be more appropriate for these people to call themselves something like uh, cloaca mammarian? Whatever happened to the lacto and ovo prefixes, or prefaces, prefaces perhaps? Um, that were the asterisks indicating some sort of deviation. Why are these non-vegan vegetarians vegetarian in the first place? They do it uh, for the animals. Well, that's strike one. If you eat dairy and eggs, and obviously fish and chicken, health, strike two. The environment, strike three. You're out. I admit it. I was out of touch with reality in the time when I lived the meaningless nothingness of non-vegan vegetarianism, oblivious that I continued to finance the health-risking, planet-destroying, cutthroat practices that torture, imprison, and kill countless billions of innocent beings. Nobody benefits from non-vegan vegetarianism, except maybe pigs, until we figure out a way to drink their milk and eat their eggs too, um, they're having a bad enough time already anyway. You either, you, uh, you're either with the vegans and the animals, or you're with the meat eaters and the butchers, dear well-intentioned uh, vegetarian consumers of dairy and eggs. 100% vegetarian or zero percent vegetarian okay well that's what i posted there i haven't really posted much on facebook lately but i'm getting getting back in the mood and the groove to to do it so you know, so here we go all right uh we will continue um remember this program is listener supported apparently you're listening right now so please find the donate button GoVeganRadio.com. Coming up, commentary with Professor Gary Lansman.
it's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. It's April. It's Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. So keep that thought in mind. On Earth Day, Earth Day events, climate marches on the 29th. Uh, there's a flyer that you can get. There's a PDF available from our socialist media sites. Um, you know, the Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, the two Bob Linden pages. And uh, today we are doing an experiment by doing the show live using YouTube live events, um, which we hope will lead us to uh, the more uh, interactive lifestyle of today's modern communications. So um, I guess we're uh, going to call Professor Gary Francione. Um, and I don't think that Jacob can do it behind the scenes. I think we have to do it like live, live. Like, I think we can. Yes. It's a. Uh... It's a bit more of a. Uh, I don't think we can do it without doing it. It's um, uh, you know, words to live by. I'm trying to see if. Uh, so amazing when uh, you have something like Team Viewer and other people control your computer. Uh, or is it just the CIA doing it right now? So you can't make this call because the CIA is uh, controlling your computer. As it can control your smartphone, your smart TV. I think Jacob is uh, attempting to place the call right now. I'm here, Bob. Bob, I'm here. Uh, uh, there, Gary, I hear you now. Just popped in. Okay. We're, uh, we're uh, experimenting on humans again by doing, uh, we're using uh, YouTube live events. I think uh, Jacob is telling me that uh, to be modern, you know, we gotta we we gotta do YouTube live events. So, uh, what do I know? When I, I I thought we were modern starting the show on radio sixteen years ago, but uh, what's radio? So uh, we're on we're on uh, we're on live now, Gary. I think I think that's what we're doing with the All right. YouTube thing. So, how are you doing today? I'm I'm well, and how are you, Bob? Doing just fine. Doing the vegan thing, you know, which I do every day. So no day different from the other. So um, what's new with you? How was your uh, webinar the other day? The webinar was great. Um, we, um, we, we had a lot of questions, more than we could answer. Actually, what happened was um, Alan O'Reilly uh, moderated it. And so he was asking us the questions that, 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 that were coming in. Um, he had a, you know, the list was showing up for him. He was picking questions and reading them. And then the people we weren't getting to, because there were tons of people we couldn't, tons of questions we could, we just couldn't answer. It was a two-hour thing. And so the, a bunch of uh, the moderators from the Facebook page had a, had a chat room, and they were talking with people while um, Anna and I were busy answering questions on the webinar. It really worked out very, very well. And we got a lot of really good, really interesting questions. Um, you know, people ask. Um, it, it, it's it's very interesting to me. It's really very interesting to me. Um, 
some of them are questions that come from people who are encountering the abolitionist approach and they're people who have been exposed to large groups and they're confused and they're wondering why we oppose welfare or single issue campaigns or things like that. Um, and then there, you know, there's some people who are obviously thinking about the whole issue of animal ethics in a really, you know, sophisticated way. And um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of of places for them to go where they can they can um, you know d discuss these things and get answers and whatnot. So we got a, a lot of really good questions. I was very impressed. I have to say, I was very impressed with the the level of questions, the type of questions we were getting. And I, I um, hear what some of the really good ones were from from the most basic. Do you say there were some? Um, well, there were, you know, there were, I mean, one question that comes up a lot uh, that I get no matter where, uh, what, what situation I'm in, where I am and what, and that is how does one talk to one's family about veganism? And, and, you know, I have been giving that an awful lot of thought over the years and I have come to the conclusion and we discussed this quite a bit on the webinar about um, how is it that, um, well, in our society, parents and older siblings teach morality to younger children. And so when you are attempting to convince your parents about being vegan and explaining to them that this is a really, this is a fundamental, this is not just, you know, this is not just an, a minor thing. You're explaining to them that there's a fundamental thing that they're, 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 there's, they're engaging in in the violation of fundamental rights. Um, and they're doing something which is really problematic and they need to rethink it. Part of the reason why this is something that parents don't uh, embrace, uh, to say, put it mildly, for, for a lot of people, is that it goes against the whole, the whole sort of paradigm of how in our society morality is taught. It's taught from parents to children. It's not children who teach morality to parents. I mean, children, we accept that children can can educate parents about certain sorts of things, particularly um, things that, are, that are, are perceived to be modern or things that the parents haven't been exposed to in terms of, for example, technology. It's okay to teach your parents about computer things because, you know, that's, that's your generation. It's not their generation, and, and so you're teaching them something from your generation or something about your generation or something that your generation has been exposed to a great deal more. Um, and it's not really all that important. I mean, it, it, well, it may be important in a practical sense, but it's not really important in any moral sense. You know, I mean, the fact that you have knowledge of computers and your parents don't, it may be inconvenient and whatnot, but it's not, it's not, um, it, it's not a profound sort of thing. Whereas when you're having conversations with your parents about, about, the, the exploitation of non-human animals, you're, you're basically um, trying to teach them not only something that is fundamental in terms of morality, but something that goes against what they taught you. That is that God wants you to eat animals or that, you know, that you ought to eat animals or that eating animals is natural or that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, something that they taught you from from the time you were a small child, that is, that animal exploitation is okay. Now all of a sudden you're telling them, no, it's not. This doesn't fit the paradigm of how morality is taught in our society. It also explains why it's harder to convince older siblings 
about veganism, but that we can often have success with younger siblings because it's our role as older siblings to teach our younger siblings about morality and about important issues. And so, therefore, we can influence our younger siblings, but it's oftentimes very difficult to influence our older siblings. So we talked a lot about that because that's something that comes up an awful lot. And I think that people, and I understand it. I mean, I, you know, I, I, um, I, I, I had this frustration in my life as well with my family and um, of not really, you know, they were always very proud of my work, but they didn't really understand it. And, so, and so um, you're telling us that everything we taught you was wrong. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically telling them something that is that, that, they accept it as a given and they taught you is wrong. And that's not something that I think, um, you know, people, you know, people can't deal with that, that, that very easily. And so that was, that was one of, you know, that was, that was some, something we talked about. Um, something that so, comes so up a lot. Have some sort of solution or suggestion then in that well, regard? I, I, I mean, you, you've got, you've got to know, you've got, if you understand the dynamic, if you understand that, that what you're doing is not, uh, well, let me preface it by saying, discussing veganism with your family is sometimes the most, they're the hardest audience you'll ever deal with. And, and I always tell people, don't get discouraged if, you're, if your family doesn't listen. Don't get discouraged. It's just in the nature of things. It, it is very, very difficult to get your parents and your older siblings to understand or to to, to to be able to accept that you're you're teaching them something about morality that they're doing wrong you know you're, you're you're explaining to them that something that they've taught you is wrong and a fundamental thing is wrong it doesn't fit well it just doesn't work very well with our you know with the society that you know with with, with our culture it's part you know that's that's our culture you know our culture is the transmission of morality goes from parent to child older sibling to younger sibling and they teach the mores the the the, the morality and and the important things there that that's the direction of transmission so i i always tell people don't get discouraged because we all go through this and it's not because we're not being good teachers it's because we're trying to be teachers at all and and being a teacher in that context is not something that fits it just doesn't, it's not comfortable. And so, you know, do I sense, think that there's... Know, that, that's like a, a new, um, like you say, teaching uh, the computer or using the internet or smartphone or something to one's parents. And in a sense, veganism is like the, it's like the generational morality difference, you know, in a way. I mean, I think that... Uh, well, well, yeah, but, but we don't, but the thing of it is, is that all moral differences are, are, um, are generational in the sense that, you know, uh, uh, I mean, if you think about it, Bob, um, when we were teenagers uh, growing up in the 1960s, um, I, I think, our, you know, uh, we had a lot of ideas that our parents, you know, that, that our parents just wouldn't accept. Now, you can say, well, because maybe they were not great ideas, <laughs> maybe perhaps true for some of them. Well, the older but, generation was more pro-war, it seemed, more pro-military. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, if you think back, um, you know, the, the, the people who were, I mean, 
how many of us had parents who were who were joining us in anti-war demonstrations? And the answer is, well, some of us did, but not many. Um, and and um, you know, because that was just not, you know, it was like we were busy saying, you know, your society and the things that your society does and the sorts of things that you, you know, the 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 the, the sorts of things that the government believes are acceptable are not acceptable, and. And for the most part, our parents, you know, were conventional people who taught us that we should, you know, obey the government and think that the government was a good thing and that the government was was acting in our interests. And we were saying, well, no, that's not true. And so um, my mother didn't uh, want me getting drafted. <laughs> that was for sure. Yeah, well, I, that's true. That, that, no, that's that's true. I, I do remember that quite well that, you know, that that. That, were you um, were you part of that, or was the was the draft over by yeah the yeah oh yeah 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 absolutely absolutely and and um and so yeah no and my parents didn't want didn't want me getting drafted um and, and, and that's and how so, I think and, we end the wars is we 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 uh, you know we we reinvent the draft you know we re reinstate well, the draft and nobody the one thing, will, the know, one thing, take away the pay the one thing, you know you know one thing that we all learned about uh, during the Vietnam time is that um, there would never be another draft because that's exactly why the war came to an end because the protests were motor. I mean, in certain ways it was really, it was, it was um, sad on certain levels in that, um, you know, w when, when you don't have a draft, formal draft, you still have a, a, a de facto draft in that kids who can't get other opportunities in the society turn to the military for, for a career. So, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of kids who are economic, come from economically deprived backgrounds. You have a lot of kids um, who come from minority groups um, that are economically deprived. And, and so you have a, you have a, you don't really, you don't have a draft, a legal draft, but what you have is basically a lot of kids joining the service because that's, that's one of the few options that they really have. Um, but but one of the things that happened during Vietnam was that you had a lot of white middle class kids getting drafted. That 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 was that's an un, that was an unusual that that was not something people were going to tolerate. And and um, so we'll probably never see another draft because um, anything that basically requires the children of middle class people to go off to war is going to is going to uh, trigger trigger uh, uh, a reaction. But I think that um, you know, it, so all 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 sorts of all sorts of moral teaching that go on with children, it, it's you know, it's it's sort of defining of the generation, and and for the most part, parents don't accept it. So so just as most of our parents rejected most of the things that we had to say back then, uh, you know, where we were saying, well, society has to change; it's immoral, and there are all sorts of things that we were proposing to take its place. Um, I think they react to veganism the same way. It's not that they evaluate the arguments on the merits. That's the thing. It's not that they're not evaluating the arguments on the merits. They're, they're reacting to the fact that their kids are trying to tell them they're doing something very, very wrong. And so, uh, you know, I, and, and so we talked about that. We talked about, you know, the another thing that comes up a lot is how do you discuss these things without being, you know, people always think you're being judgmental. That's a really important point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They do. And it's something that animal advocates have to learn to do um, and to do better than they do now, which is, um, you know, yes, it is true 
that um, that that uh, all rights violations are the same. They are. I mean, they they are the same in the sense that you know that all violations of fundamental rights are the same in that they are violations of fundamental rights. However, that doesn't mean there there are two things that I think people have to keep in mind. One is that um, there's a psychological difference. You know, I mean, uh, um, yes. Uh, meat is murder, as they say, but there's a psychological difference between somebody who engages in um, killing humans and someone who engages in killing non-humans. There's a psychological difference, uh, particularly people who who pay other people to do it, um, you know, and and and, um, and and who don't participate in it themselves. But there's also this idea that we should really never be judging people. We should be judging actions, and I think that's a generally good thing to do. Um, is is you know um, uh, uh, you know it goes back to Saint Augustine in the fifth century. You know this idea um, of I guess the way Gandhi expressed it was you know hate the sin, love the sinner sort of thing. And and I think that 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 make that really makes a lot of sense. And I always you know I always almost always when I'm having a discussion with people about veganism, if I sense that they're getting defensive, which happens. I mean, however well you do it, you are in reality. At the very least, criticizing someone's moral behavior as immoral, and you know you got to face. I mean, you know, people get upset when you do that, and they react because they believe that you're judging them. And I always try to tell people um, when I'm discussing veganism with them, um, I, I, I generally say very early in the conversation, please understand something. You know, I don't understand your moral motivation. It's really difficult to know what goes on in people's hearts and why they make the choices that they make. Um, and I want to make it clear to you that I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not a priest. I'm not here to discuss with you your your soul or your you know who you are as a person morally. I'm here to to say that I think some of the choices you're making are morally unjustifiable and they're just wrong. And 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 I always follow up with that by saying, and, and and what I hope I show you in the next 10 or 15 minutes is that you realize that they're wrong. You already have beliefs that make it clear to you that it's wrong. It's just because we live in a society in which there is such a tremendous amount of animal exploitation and it's become so normalized and it's become a really integral part of the economy. We don't really, you know, we, 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 we don't we don't question it and we don't think clearly about it and 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 you know and so i think it's you know i mean talking to people about this is just so very you know the 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 there's so there's so many things you have to sort of keep in mind when you're talking to people about about veganism uh, that you have to be well, sensitive I guess there about. Always that. is that underlying, <laughs> that underlying moral superiority. I mean, I did get a letter um, at Green Nine Sixty in San Francisco from a listener who said, "You know, your show is dripping with moral superiority, and I'm not going to listen anymore." You know, so <laughs> I'm thinking, well, if, I guess for this guy, if he continued to listen, he'd have to do something about it. You know, I mean, I don't know. Well, that, you know, Bob, but that's right. I mean, people have to if they if they. It's didn't not a say question. The show was dripping with moral inferiority. You know what I mean? It was like, it's it's kind of like it's kind of true. So now we have to not hurt people's feelings about it to a degree because I mean, being vegan is is morally superior 
action, position, life. It is. It's a, it's, it's a morally, it's a morally better, better, or or morally uh, right, or you know, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a morally better position. It's it's a morally correct position. But there's a difference between saying this is a better way to think about morality and about violence then, you know, you can say that. You can also say, I'm a superior person. And I think we need to avoid doing that because it invariably and inevitably pisses people off. And and it makes it difficult to educate them when they're in a state of being pissed off. So I think it's, I think it's important, you know, I don't, I don't, um, you know, I don't think of it as moral superiority. As a matter of fact, when people say that to me and don't think they don't say that to me, they say it a lot. Um, when somebody says something like that, I always say, well, you know, it's not really a matter of moral superiority. It's because I don't feel superior to, you know, it's because I, because I, I don't feel superior to non-human animals. I don't feel that it's all right for me to take their lives or make them suffer so that I can have the pleasure of tasting foods or wearing particular clothes or, or participating in some sort of entertainment or watching some sort of entertainment. It's because I don't believe that these, that these interests of mine trump the fundamental rights and the fundamental interests of animals that I'm a vegan. So it's not, it's, it's really what's, what's ironic about what you're saying is it's not really a matter of moral superiority at all. It's on the contrary. On the contrary, it's a question of moral, of being, of moral egalitarianism, of saying that, look, you know, we're doing something here that's really very wrong. And I think the most important thing to do is when people say these things to you, you get, you know, people, I mean, I, 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 I watch vegans interact with people all the time. I mean, I was watching it happen at the World Vegan Summit, you know, there were some people there who were not vegan. I mean, not a lot of them, but there were some people there who were not vegan. And I was watching interactions between vegans and non-vegans. And some of those interactions were really very good, but there were people who were, you know, I mean, you can't get angry and upset with people because you have to put, sort of put yourself in their, their place. Um, imagine somebody coming up to you and saying, Bob Linden, your, your views about veganism are just wrong. And you're this and you're that, and, you know, just basically start, you know, criticizing you for the, you know, you would be defensive and you would, you know, you would, you would, be, you become very defensive. Well, that's exactly how they feel. They happen to be wrong and you happen to be right on the veganism question, but they don't know that yet. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, they're, they they're don't victims. You know, the, the whole thing is they're still victims. They're, they're, they're the victims of, you know. Um, I mean, they're 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 not they're not able to understand what you know they haven't yet had it explained to them. They're still confused, and and you have to you have to add, you have to add another element to this. Some of the defensiveness comes from the fact that people know you're right, but they don't know it. You know they don't. They're not thinking about, they're not saying, well, you know, I think this person's right, so I'm going to get upset because this person's irritating me because I, I, I know this person's right. What they're, what, you know, they're not comfortable with animal ex exploitation. Very few people are. I mean, there are some people who are. They, you know, that, that's for sure. Um, lots of them. 
Um, but and, and, and one of the things I want to talk about before we break tonight, and that is um, this whole idea. You know, the, the 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 you know I saw an advertisement for yet another book, yet another book from somebody who is telling us that you know that she was a vegetarian and she's no longer a vegetarian because she realizes that growing strawberries involves pesticides and that involves harming humans and and harming non-humans and so therefore the, it's you really can't escape harm. So therefore, it's all right to to eat animals. Yet, you know, and and I think that there's a you know, you know, and, and she goes hunting and she participates. You know, this is the sort of the Michael Pollan approach to things, and 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 uh, you know, I think that that's a that's a very unfortunate, that's a very unfortunate development um, because what it's doing is trying to teach people this idea that harm is inevitable in the world. So therefore, killing animals is okay, which is ridiculous. Um, and you need to think about it for five seconds to realize how stupid it is. Um, and that is, you could say the same thing. You know, living in the world involves involves conduct which has an indirect negative effect in lots of cases on humans. So, you know, things that we do, things that you and I do, and that everybody does, um, can have a negative consequence on humans. You know, we we buy clothes. Those clothes are made by people who work in factories. Sometimes those people are injured. Sometimes they're killed. So. There's really no, you know, I mean, uh, um, living in the world involves engaging in actions, engaging in actions um, often, no, I would take that back, always has an adverse consequence somewhere down the road, which is one of the reasons why we ought to consume as little as possible, and we ought to try to sort of, you know, ratchet down, we ought to try to ratchet down our consumption, for example, that's one thing we ought to do, and we ought to be careful when we, you know, when we drive, where we walk, when we, you know, we ought to be... We ought to be careful not to harm um, others, but our 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 action in the world is, inevitably involves harm. But that doesn't mean that incidental and unintended harm are, are are the same as intentional, deliberate, and direct harm. So the fact that you know I I I purchase items or I consume items, and and sometimes people who make those items are injured and sometimes they even are killed in, in industrial accidents doesn't mean it's okay to kill people. The fact that we build roads and we know that people are going to die on those roads in automobile accidents doesn't mean it's okay to kill people. And, you know, we see this where humans are involved, but all of a sudden where non-humans are involved, you know, we get into this idea, well, you know, we can't live without harm, so we shouldn't be vegan, which is ridiculous. It is an absolutely absurd, illogical, ill-informed, and nonsensical view. But, but, you know, this is, this is one of the ways in which people feel, they feel uncomfortable about animal exploitation, so they gravitate to this nonsense, <laughs> complete nonsense. And that's why approaches like Michael Pollan and the people who rip off that idea, that, that's, that's why those approaches work, because people feel uncomfortable, and they're willing to accept solutions even when those solutions make absolutely no sense. But so I think we've got to be we've got to be mindful when we engage in vegan advocacy and vegan education. We have to be mindful that um, when we're talking to people, people what people are hearing is that we are condemning them. So we've got to confront that. We've got to, we've got to we've got to we've got to address that right at the outset. And you know there there are times when I when I I feel the person I'm talking to doesn't feel threatened. And so, you know, so it's okay. I don't need to say anything because that the dynamic, but, but most of the time, I would say that's maybe 10, 20% of the time at most, but at least 80% of the time 
when I'm talking with someone, I work into the conversation right from the outset. Look, understand something. I think what you're doing is wrong, but I'm not saying you're a bad person because I don't know you and I can't see into your heart. I don't know why you make the choices you make. So let's be clear from the outset. I am not interested in judging you. I am not interested in determining whether you are a moral eunuch or a, a saint. It's not really, and that's not, I'm, I'm not confident to do that, and I'm not interested in doing that. What I am interested in doing is showing you how what something that you're doing is morally wrong, and, and I'm also going to show you that you already know that. You already believe everything you need to come to the conclusion that I've come to. So what, what I'm going to be explaining to you is not foreign, it is not weird, it is not extreme, it follows from stuff you already believe. And I think, you see, I mean, I, I think our, our, the, 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 our vegan advocacy and education as a general matter is not particularly developed, you know? I mean, we, we, we don't really understand the dynamics of communication, we don't know how to talk to people, we don't understand how somebody, you know, remember something. Every time you talk to somebody who's not a vegan, you're talking to yourself. You know, I mean, when I'm, I've been a vegan for 35 years. When I'm talking to somebody who's not a vegan, I'm talking to myself when I was 25 years old. You know, I became a vegan when I was 28. And so, so um, you know, I'm talking to myself when I'm 25. And when I was 25, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, you've got to be a vegan, and if you're not a vegan, you're engaging in animal exploitation, I would have... I mean, you know, I, I, was a, I was a philosophy major. I was a philosophy graduate student. I was always interested in those topics. So I might engage that from a, a more theoretical point of view and say, okay, well, what do you mean? But the bottom line is, is most people, when you say something like that to them, they get upset. They get defensive. And I don't think we're mindful enough of that. And I think we've got to be mindful of that. You know, and, and, and there are so many creative ways of getting to this, of, of getting to the the, the, you know, getting to, to the vegan, you know, getting to explain veganism in a coherent way. There's so many different wonderful ways of doing that. And we oftentimes just go, you know, we gloss over them. We, we ignore them. We get frustrated when we're talking to our parents. We don't realize that, you know, that we're doing something really unusual and unnatural. We're teaching our parents morality. Wow, that doesn't happen in this society. I'm not sure it happens in any society. Sure as hell doesn't happen in this society. You know, Western culture is not big on children teaching parents about morality. And also, can we, can we think you know, of another I'm, example, I guess, there were, you know, the anti-war protests. But when was the last time that uh, children taught their parents morality on, on a major subject or issue? Good. Think of one. Let me know. And when you well, think of one, I, do I let me know. With, I came up with the war during the Vietnam era. Now I'm, I'm looking for help on a second one. I'm not quite sure. I, yeah, but I, mean, I don't know. And, and, and the Vietnam War thing was like sort of a, I mean, to the extent that our parents were, were interested in, in what, in our views about the war, it was in large part because they didn't want us to get drafted. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and for many people, their parents really didn't get, didn't start thinking about the issue until they got, you know, until the kids got the 1A notice in the mail. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's, it's time to get ready. You're going, you know, we're taking you on a tour of South Asia and, and South Asia. And so I think I, I, I that. I hear of the occasional uh, incidents of uh, a five-year-old who will refuse to eat meat, you know, like just refuses, never does, and the parents will kind of look into it because they can't get her or him to 
to to do it. You know, I mean, I, I think there are those. If I'm looking for occasions like that, um, there seem to be some young children who who refuse to eat meat. But uh, generally speaking, it doesn't seem like yeah, except for computers and, and smartphones, right? For email. Yeah, but but that's that's not, that's not moral. That's right. That's you know. Uh, the, the, the kids have the, the kids have a technological competence that you don't have, so you know they can. And that's not, but that's not threatening. Well, it's not. It's it maybe threatening in the sense it's, that you know helpful. you don't. Well, I mean, it's meant to be yeah. helpful. You know, right, handbook. right. It's it's meant to be helpful. <laughs> it is helpful because the reality is you can't get along in the society now without having a certain level of competence and literacy when it comes to technology because it's it. You know, I mean irrespective of what your job is, almost, you know, many people in, 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 in whatever job they have, they have got to deal with computers. So, so the, the, there's a level of literacy that's expected to just get by in society. Um, and so having your kids teach that to you, well, that's a benefit. And it doesn't, it, it, it may threaten you in one sense because you realize that you're sort of not keeping up with, uh, a, a world that is changing dramatically, but it's not—it's not threatening in the sense of, uh, of, of since your kids are telling you that something you that you that something that you're doing is fundamentally wrong. I mean, Bob, think about that. I mean, it's just not something that we have a, that you know that we do. Let's that have we do. Some kids so we can learn what how to behave. You know, it's like that. yeah, well. Like, Exactly. But, um, but no, and so I think, you know, that was something we spent a lot of time talking about in the webinar because, because, you know, that comes up all the time. I get that question. How do I deal with my parents? And how do I talk about veganism without people thinking I'm judgmental? I get that all the time. There is not a presentation I do um, where that doesn't come up. You know, where people, you know, if there's a question and answer period and people have questions, those are two things that always come up. And, if, and, you know, like some, sometimes I say to people, you know, look, I, you know, I ate meat every day of my life. I won a hamburger eating contest when I was 15 years old, you know. So, I mean, it's like to at least draw that you were there or something, you know, then, then it makes it a little, you know, it's like you're, you're kind of in their shoes then. It, well, you don't want to be in their leather shoes. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, I always, I, I, I'm, I, I always tell people, look, you know, I, I for, you know, uh, for the first part of my life, I mean, I, I, as I, I, as I've often said, Bob, if you told me when I was 20 years old, you are going to be a vegan and you're going to promote veganism and it's going to be an important part of your life, I would have said, first of all, what's veganism? Because I didn't know what it meant. I, I, I'd never heard that word before at that time. Number one and number two, if you defined it and told me what it was, I would have thought you were nuts. I mean, I would have thought you were completely crazy to promote that because I, first of all, I didn't think you could live without eating animal protein. And I thought it was, a, I thought it was a very odd. Uh, you know, I, I, I would have, would have thought it was a crazy idea. And, and, you know, much the same way as if you said to me, well, you know, drinking water is really bad. You shouldn't do it. You know, I would find that an odd thing. I would find it maybe a scary thing. Um, if somebody said, you know, you can't, I mean, well, if somebody says you can't drink water because it's polluted, that would be different. But I mean, if someone said drinking water is wrong um, or, you know, or, or breathing, you know, you're breathing too much or you're breathing, you know, and, and, and that's bad. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's an odd, weird sort of thing. 
And I think people don't appreciate that for many people, eating animal products is like drinking water and breathing. It's, it's part of what normal life is. And so you're telling them that what normal life is, is not, nor- is not well, it may be normal in the sense that most people do it, but it's wrong. And that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I don't think people really appreciate that as much as I wish they did. And, um, and I, I think it's a general matter. I mean, this is one, one of the things we're trying to do, Ann and I are trying to do in this new book, which we're in the process of writing now, um, is, well, not now, I'm talking to you now, but I mean, you know, we're, we're presently at this time of our lives writing this book about vegan advocacy, in part because we really think that um, people don't know really about how to advocate for veganism in creative, intelligent ways, and that um, you know, to the extent that they that they engage in advocacy in any way, they're generally not always, but generally promoting it from the standpoint of reduced suffering. You know, the whole reducitarian thing, and and you know, eat cage-free eggs and crate-free pork and happy milk and all that sort of stuff. And and that's that's a disaster. That's a complete disaster. That that is taking the whole idea backward. As a matter of fact, I mean, I think that. That the happy exploitation movement, um, you know, where people, which which basically started in about 2005, when the groups basically started coming out in favor of, you know, um, it, it, when all of the groups, you know, not not just the class, not just the traditional welfare groups, but basically all of the animal groups started promoting the idea that reducing suffering was what we needed to do in order to satisfy our moral obligations to animals. That's a disaster because it doesn't require that we change in any way whatsoever. So basically if you, you know, if you eat one, one mouthful of meat less a week, then you're doing something, damn it. And you know, good for you. You're a reducitarian. And and a million people do it. I guess you're really making progress, right? Right. Well, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, there are people who are who are saying that. Well, if you have people, if you have um, two people that cut down, um, you know, half of what they're eating in terms of animal products, um, that's equal to one person being a vegan. And what what they don't take into account is that the the i the vegan idea and the idea that respecting the fundamental rights of non-human animals means you don't eat them, wear them, or use them. That when an individual embraces that idea, it is much greater and much bigger and much more significant than the two individuals who say, I'm going to cut down on the, the amount of animal products I'm eating because neither of them is recognizing and embracing the the personhood, the moral personhood of non-human animals. And I thought, so, I thought that Gene Bauer put that to me in in a way. I thought he said something like, "Well, Bob, would you rather have three people reduce their meat by half than you know one person go vegan?" I I, I thought it was put that way to me or something. And Gene Bauer, yeah, I mean, did it. they have they have these folks have a have a uh, um, you know uh, uh, a, a, a package of like three or four things that they say, <laughs> and, one, and 
Well, and one of them, I mean, whether Gene Bauer said it to you or whether Bruce Friedrich said it to you or whether Paul Shapiro said it to you or whoever said it, because they all use it, is this idea that, well, you know, aren't we better off having three people reduced by 50% than one person reduced by 100%? Because, you know, if, if they're all eating equivalent amounts and three of them reduced by 50%, then that's actually less suffering than one of them um, uh, who, who goes vegan completely. And, and the answer is that's, that's, that's a problematic comparison because the one who goes vegan completely is embracing the moral personhood of animals, and that completely changes that person's life. Whereas the people who are reducing supposedly 50%, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you, how you would measure these things and how you would keep them constant so that the, the amount of, of animal products is always 50% less. But I mean, even if, even if you could, um, you know, it's like saying, well, what's better? Three people who are 50% less racist, but who are still 50% racist, or one person who recognizes that racism is wrong and embraces the idea of equality? And to me, the answer is clear. It's the person who embraces equality. I would much rather see, if I had a choice of three people who tell 50% fewer racist jokes and spit on 50% fewer people on the street um, who they perceive to be inferior to them, and the one person who embraces equality, I'll take the one person who embraces equality. And so, you know, but, but I mean, it's the times we live in, we have to have these discussions. But I, I do think that, you know, the amount uh, that, 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 that generally we haven't done a very good job and I think it was one of the reasons why so many people showed up to both of the world vegan summits was that people really want to learn how to talk to people about veganism. And they don't really know. I mean, nobody, the movement doesn't tell them because the movement's not interested in promoting veganism. Movement's interested in, pr in promoting reduction of suffering so that it can basically, it can basically get everybody involved in the movement by which is meant everybody contributing money. So they've got a vested interest in not teaching people how to advocate for veganism, number one. Number two, they don't teach people much of anything at all because their solution to the problem is send us a check, we'll do it for you. So the movement is not a movement which is encouraging people to engage in activism of any sort. Activism is sitting down and writing a check or, or, or going online and, you know, and and giving a donation to the groups. That's what activism is. And what so, do you think, what so, do you think of people who, um, people who feel that it's an imposition to talk about veganism to other people? Like, who am I to, you know, try to get other people to adopt my values? I don't, I don't really want to impose on them, yet they're, you know, like they're. Well, I mean, I mean, again, again, the question is, what do you, what does morality mean to you? I mean, would you would you say that where where racism is concerned or sexism is concerned? If, if somebody was talking about um, sex trafficking, that's a big that's a it's a major problem. It's a it's a form of slavery, actually. I mean, it's not chattel slavery in the traditional sense, but it's close to it, and and it's a major problem we have. A major problem we have that really you know for a while we were talking about it, 
Now it seems we don't talk about it all that terribly much, um, you know, or as much as we used to. It's, but it's, it's a major bubbling problem. under in the alternative media right now. So it, it's going to break at some point because there's a lot of talk about uh, human trafficking. Um, even even that uh, the Trump's Department of Homeland Security came out with uh, the Department of Homeland Security came out with a PSA regarding human trafficking, which is very different. Uh, you know, so uh, well, I'm I'm glad that people are paying attention to it. But if 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 we're talking about human trafficking, and you say, and somebody says, well, you know, well, you know, I just don't feel comfortable about trying to impose my views on people about you know um, bringing women here under under false pretenses so that they can serve as sex slaves or something like that. Um, uh, you know, we would say, well, wait a minute now. It's not a question of imposing it. it, it there's something wrong here. It's going on, and we got to stop it. We got to stop. You know, we got to stop it, and we got to condemn it. We got to we got to be clear that it's wrong. It's because people are speciesist, and they don't even realize they're speciesist. When it comes to animals, they don't want to take a position, or they don't want to quote impose end quote their views on others because. They think that the imposition of, of their views is wrong. It, 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 it's, it's a bad thing to do. But they wouldn't say that where humans are involved. The speciesism of all of these things is palpable, profound, and very sad. Because, you know, animal people don't realize how, or people who call, think of themselves as animal people, don't realize how incredibly speciesist it is. And it's, I, I mean, so I think, you know, well, I always tell people, look, whenever someone makes an argument to you, always put it in human terms. And if you would, if you, if you find it uncomfortable in human or wrong or upsetting or obscene in human terms, then don't think about it in non-human terms. Unless you can come up with a reason as to why it's all right to think of it differently where animals are. Because I mean, one of the things I get a lot is when people say, well, um, we would not propose humane rape because rape's already against the law and everybody thinks it's wrong. And the answer is, sorry, yes, it is against the law, but the law is not enforced um, for all intents and purposes for all sorts of reasons because it's a patriarchal legal system. We still don't take, we take it more seriously than we used to, but we, don't, we still don't take rape seriously. And because laws just reflect, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, laws reflect the morality of the society. And, Rape is still an incredibly pervasive problem. Like one in four women, you know, uh, who, who get to, to age 22 in our in our society are either victims of rape or attempted rape. I mean, and, and that's what we, you know, that's the number we come up and, with. And in the military, you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. Based on what we know, my guess is it's probably more. It's probably higher. I mean, if what we're saying is one in four, and we know what it's one in four, and we know for a fact that most women or many women are very embarrassed and unwilling to talk about uh, that, that sort of battery and violence. And so they don't talk about it. And so the, so the ones who are willing to talk about it allow us to say one in four. It's probably more than one in four. I don't know whether it's half, but, you know, but it's probably closer to half than it is to a quarter. And so it's a pervasive problem. It doesn't really matter whether it's illegal. It doesn't really matter. What matters is it, it's a behavior which is pervasive and is on some level, despite what we say we believe in saying that it's wrong, it's still a behavior which 
which is pervasive in the society. And in that situation, in a situation like that, you know, we would not say, well, you know, the reality is rape is a problem. It's a pervasive problem. Whether it's illegal, whether it's not illegal, sort of irrelevant because it's a problem. And we ought to, we ought to, you know, and a lot of it is violence. So we ought to promote campaigns where people do less violence. You know, and, and we ought to tell them that, you know, they're, that they're reducitarians. If they rape somebody, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're engaging in coercive behavior, you know, and they're, they're doing it three times a week, if they cut it down to two times, they're reducitarian, we ought to, we ought to praise them. People would think that that is outrageous. Nobody would accept that. And if you said, but wait a minute, what's wrong with that? Because you're reducing suffering. People would say reducing suffering is not enough in this situation. We must be clear that there are fundamental rights violations going on. When it comes to animals, we don't do that. And so the question is, why? Why don't we do that? And, you know, there are no good answers. And the only, good, the only answer is, to all, in all these things, is because we value animals less. We think that animal exploitation is just a different sort of thing because we don't think animals matter as much. Now, if you think that animals matter and that, that as far as you know, that all sentient beings have the right not to be used as resources, then, they're all, then we're all equal in that way. And that means nobody gets used as a commodity. But that requires us to be vegan. And, and, and so, you know, but, but look, I think we need to be doing a better job of teaching people how to advocate. We don't do a good job doing, you know, I mean, there's no model for that. You know, it's like your parents. It's like teaching morality to your parents. Um, there's no model for it because in the, the, the model that is, has been developed by the movement is a model of you write the check and they deal with the issues. You shut up and write the check. Don't criticize us. Don't tell us what to do. Just give us your money and we'll do it. We're going we're gonna to solve the problem. Write the check. And, and we'll all go vegan by eating cage-free eggs. Exactly. They exactly. They, they don't even say that we don't even hear anything about vegan. That we, we don't even hear that. Well, well, no, 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 no. In fairness, Bob, I think these groups are pretty good about about their subterfuge. <laughs> that is, they'll say, "Yeah, you want to, you know, vegan is great." I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these groups will say vegan's really great. They will not say it's a. They will not say it's a moral baseline. They will not say it's a moral imperative. They will not say it's something you've got to do that you're either participating in animal exploitation or, or you're a vegan. They're not going to say that. They're not going to say you have a moral obligation to go vegan. But what they will say is, vegan's great. You know, that's the best way to reduce suffering is, is, is go vegan. But if you don't go vegan, that's okay too. So they're pretty good. I mean, I've heard, I've heard you know, HSUS people say that. You know, the PETA people say that. Um, the, you know, the, the, the mercy for animals people, they all basically say, you know, veganism is great. You know, it reduces suffering. It's great. But it's not what you've got to do. There's a whole bunch of other things. You, you don't have to be a vegan. There's other things you can do. And that's the problem. Because once you get the experts, the supposed experts saying, you don't have to be a vegan, if, then people say, oh, good, I don't have to be a vegan. You know, so, I, so, that, so that's good for two revenue streams. The vegans here, you know, going vegan is great, so they'll write the checks. And the others here, you know, buy from uh, buy certified humane, and uh, they Bob, write Bob, the checks I, too. I see this all the time on my page, 
where people show up and say, I'm a vegan, I support these organizations because they are supporting veganism. They do want people to go vegan. And when you try to, you know, and so, so they're, I mean, they talk, these groups talk out of all sides of their fundraising mouths. You know, they'll say to the, to the people who are vegan, they'll say, we want people to go vegan. To the people who aren't vegan, they're going to say, you know, you don't have to go vegan. I mean, you can find all sorts of position. They articulate all sorts of positions. You know, someone will send on the audience of the moment. Exactly, exactly. So someone will send me, you know, I, I will post something, you know, that, that Mercy for Animals has said that is not supporting veganism. And someone will send me something that Mercy for Animals said that promotes veganism. And so my response is, well, we've got an interesting situation here. Something that the thing that I posted very clearly does not promote veganism. And the thing that you sent me does promote veganism. So maybe what's going on there is exactly what I've been saying for 30 years is going on, that these groups are basically trying to keep the donor base as broad as possible. So they'll tell group X, you know, if they'll tell, they'll tell the vegans, yeah, go, you know, vegan is great. You know, here, here's our, here's our kit. And, you know, we don't use the word vegan, but all of the recipes are vegan. We don't say vegan. We say veg. We say go veggie. Okay. And all the recipes are vegan. Plant-based. Plant-based. Yeah. We're plant-based, but we don't use the word vegan. And then, you know, and so, so the people who are vegan say, yeah, wow, that's great. That's really clever. And, and then to the people who are not vegan, they say, well, you don't have to go vegan. You, you know, if, if, if you, if you eat cage-free eggs, if you eat crate-free pork, if you eat less and, you know, if you, you go, go to Walmart and buy your egg. Walmart's great. They're going to, in another 4 million years, they're going to phase out caged eggs. And they're going to be still caged eggs, but they're going to be slightly larger cages. And so, you know, they're, go, they're in, going caged eggs. In 3 million years, Walmart. they'll say they can't afford to do it, but that's okay. Right. Exactly. But cage-free eggs, you know, Walmart, Walmart's just announced that, you know, in another 250 million years, they're going to be cage-free. So Walmart cares about animal welfare. So what have you done? You've now, you've now made those people potential donors because the people who are buying their eggs at Walmart saying, I'm an animal person. So, you know, it's a really, so, so that's the model of activism. That's the model of activism. It's dysfunctional. It's pathetic. But we've got to do something to put, we've got to come up with something to put in its place, which was one of the reasons why I think there was so much interest in both of the world vegan summits and why people showed up. The thing that they wanted, many of them, was they were saying, teach me how to teach people about veganism. I mean, that was something I, we, I, we were hearing from everybody who was showing up there was, you know, in one form or another. They were saying, you know, how can I advocate? How can I be an animal advocate? Because there's no model for that. The model is sit down, shut up, and write a check. That's the model, just like the model for, you know, for, 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 for education in families is parents educate children, you know, and there's really, you know, people get upset, you know, and, and similarly, when you say to these groups, I want to do vegan advocacy and I don't want to advocate for welfare reforms, they, they get upset. No, 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 you're not getting it. 
You're supposed to shut up, write the check. We're supposed to, we're, we, we make, we're the experts. We're the experts. We make the decisions about what gets done. And we're going to go after the abuses. You know, I mean, the, 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 the things, I mean, I get tons of things. I get tons, because, you know, I'm on people's mailing lists, on their email lists. I get tons of stuff from these groups. And it is appalling. It's appalling. You know, every time I get something from the Animal Legal Defense Fund, it just, it, it, it makes me ashamed to be a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, I'm somewhat critical of the profession, but I mean, I, I think that, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's this, this going to people and saying, you know, there's, somebody did something cruel to a dog. We've got to stop this. We've got to have zero tolerance. Give us money so that we can, so that we can go after this person who did this horrible thing to the dog recognizing that anti-cruelty laws apply to a very small, very small percentage of the things that we, the bad things we do to animals. It, they, they, they focus on idiosyncratic pathological situations where the kids tie the dog to the tree and blow torch the dog. Okay. But that does not represent, that represents a minute fraction of 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 one millionth of one percent of what we do wrong with animals. So, you know, but, but we, you know, it's, this, it's a machine. It's a business. It's a business. And, and we have not, you know, the, the movement has not educated people, excuse me, about becoming educators because the movement doesn't want educators. The movement wants check writers. That's what the movement wants. The movement's not really interested in, in, in educators. It's interested in check writers. And that's the problem, Bob. That is the problem. And, Again, and that's... You know, what is the movement? Uh, it's like the you know, rancher advocacy groups appoint themselves uh, the, the movement. You know, it's like, who is the movement anyway? Who, who appointed... Who appointed it or them. You know? so. I agree. I agree. Who appointed it? That's, an, that's a wonderful, it's an interesting question. Who appointed them? And the answer is, I don't know. I didn't. You didn't. But, but you know, but you we, have enough we, money. You have enough money. You can appoint yourself. If you, if you have enough money, you can, you can do that. So. Exactly. Exactly. You know, go out and start a group and, you know, appoint yourself an expert and then, you know, you can tell people what the right thing is, and if anybody criticizes you, you can claim that they're, you know, they're harming animals because they're being divisive and they're being this and they're being that. I mean, it's sort of comical. It's really sort of comical. And again, I go back to a statement I've made to you many times. When I wrote Rain Without Thunder, I never thought it would ever get as bad as it is now. And, you know, the, 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 the 20 years ago that I wrote that book, and I thought things were bad then, but I thought they'd get better. Ha, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> was that I wrong? applies to almost everything. So, you know, well, I, welcome I to the world. You know, <laughs> but, but what I didn't understand, what I didn't understand was that this is a, it's a business model. And what I was doing in the 1990s was thinking that it was really, that it really was a social justice movement and that people were really interested in justice for non-human animals. They're not interested in justice. For, it's a business model. These are yeah. organizations that are making, I mean, I, I saw this reducitarian summit. It costs a fortune to go to it. It costs an absolute fortune to go to it. 
And I was thinking, wow, you know, this is, it's business, you know, and it, it, it's absolute, it's business. This is business. And, and it's only going to get worse because we're only going to commodify it more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And that's what we've done. In any event, I went way over time tonight. I apologize to everybody. No problem. But, uh, you know, as long as Daisy, Daisy's patient, uh, you know, that's, yes. that's really what controls my schedule anyway, her, you know, digestive system and, you know, her needs. So she was fine and uh, happy that we were on. So, Oh, and by the way, uh, I, I think is your webinar on your uh, Facebook page on the Abolition? It is. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah. You can, well, there, you can go to my YouTube channel. It's up on my YouTube channel. Um, you can access it from Gary Alfranci on the Abolitionist Approach to Animal Rights Facebook page. And also, you know, we have the other two pages, the, my main page, abolitionistapproach.com, in which I talk about the, you know, which you can read tons of theoretical essays and watch videos and stuff. And then there's How Do I Go Vegan, which is our sort of how-to, you know, give, giving you answers for everything. And we have, you know, we have, we have people, we have, um, you know, we have sort of a rotating group of, uh, of folks who are available to answer questions. And so, you know, if you're on the if you're on the site and you have a question about veganism or something you don't understand, or you want to talk to somebody about why honey isn't vegan or things like that, we have people who will respond and interact with you. So, you know, again, and it doesn't cost you anything. Um, you know, and the educational materials we provide on the abolitionist approach don't don't cost you anything. And so, you know, come on, get involved, and we will try our best to teach you how to advocate for veganism. Terrific. I can, I can think of no better endeavor than that. So uh, Very, go. very good. So, very okay. good. I will speak with you, Will Bo Anna, and I will be speaking with you next week. Terrific. Talk to you then. Thanks Take for being with us, Professor Francione. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And uh, all right. Well, I guess uh, that'll just about do it for us. And uh, once, I, once again, I invite your support of this program. We are listener-supported, 501c3. Uh, we're not one of the big corporate animal groups. Um, we are just here as a grassroots, uh, low-budget, uh, you know, radio activism for the animals, basically. So uh, we appreciate your listening and your support of the program. You can make a donation, and you can hear hundreds of free archives at goveganradio.com. Again, we're on Twitter at goveganradio. And we are on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Um, and uh, again, we invite your support at goveganradio.com.